Welcome back, Rage Nation. Got myself Pete here. That's yeah. not really exciting. You got Senior Dixon. I don't think that's appropriate. And you got Monsieur Leopard. Explorers deserved it. No. Absolutely. I was disgusted. I cannot believe they've done this. Why is wacky? Why is that good? It's just nonsense. I disagree on that, that's not possible. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. We're on a mission. Yeah. Now, now we've got a whole new list of things to complain about. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. Got your boy Pete here, and this time we got, uh, yeah, we got, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a long-time uh, listener, 12-time, 12-time caller. I don't know, we got Nick Westbrook with us. What's going on, y'all? Yeah, Nick, uh, you, you decided to come out to South Carolina, and we, we played some Alpha. Yeah, man, that was a blast. Uh, <laughs> thank you for hosting, and uh, got to finally meet you guys in person, so that was great. Yeah, that, that was all. That's always the weird thing when you actually meet people. And I think my wife thought I was crazy by letting you stay. She was like, "Well, how do you how do you know?" I was like, "You know, you just vibe with people, and you just kind of know." Right. <laughs> I was like, I could tell he wasn't, you know, a weird creepo. So you know, just uh, and it worked out. It was good. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it. It, it was it was a good time, and I'm it's happy to know that uh, Houston's not the only muggy place of. Of the u.s so yeah so you know you get off charleston you get out of the airport and in the summertime your glasses will just fog up on you oh yeah humidity brutal, brutal. yeah it's all right we might get you know normal temperatures in september we'll see <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just telling my wife i was like man i can't wait for you know september and october where we get down in like the 60s and 80s right <laughs> But yeah, we're, I brought you on because while you were here, you were able to get a few games of Malifaux in, which is definitely cool. And you and I are going to talk about the one game that we did where I played uh, Dead Man Walking with Parker 2, and you ended up playing the Unmasked Sonya, which is the second version of her. So, And it, it was definitely an interesting game, and I, I definitely want to talk about that. Before we get into it, though, make sure that you guys are checking us out on... Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, got our Discord channel popping off. And then finally, if you want to support us directly, you can do it through patreon.com slash ragequitwire where you can support us for as little as a dollar. And the uh, stuff that I ordered for the person that won our YouTube drawing, that box should be going out to them this week. Ended up getting in the mail finally with all my sweet uh, outcast swag that I'm getting hopefully tomorrow. So I got the new Levy box, the new Zip box, and the new Parker box. So super pumped. Super pumped. Yeah, but man, you got a few games in. Uh, you got the game we played, but besides that, you also got a chance to get a couple turns with Lady J2, and you got a full game with Levy 1. So I don't, I, you played Chris with that Levy 1 game. How would you feel with that? It was a low-scoring game. It was a low-scoring game, and I'm dabbling in outcast and i really enjoy levy one's playstyle. i love levy two's playstyle, but levy one with the double uh scavengers those those guys are really good and, yeah scavengers uh, are it's uh it was entertaining i was really working on my own strategy and trying to negate the the crap of uh seamus two 
my God, yeah, that crew can yeah, wreck you. I was going to say, so Chris was kind of denying you just by all the lures and stuff, and you were kind of just denying him because you were just killing shit. So yeah. I mean, you got to tur- turn one kill on the corpse curator. Yeah, yeah, just enough. It was a it was a walk, walk, uh, or focus walk, walk, for two focus damage. Shot. <laughs> walk, walk, shot, yeah, to kill hit. It already had a couple wounds on it, so it exposed Levy, um, which was interesting. But, uh, yeah, it, it seemed to barely function enough for a win, I think. Yeah, I think it was, we... like a, it was like a 3-2 or a 4-3 win. It was pretty yeah, low. it was very low. It was very low. But that yeah, aura... Chris was, Chris was Seamus, running out of models. <laughs> yeah. Seamus's aura is just brutal, though. That If, it, if he gets activation... Yeah, that alone in the dark where you don't get any of your auras, you're not affected by, and you know, your auras, and if somebody targets you, it's at a negative. So it's just, you're in the danger zone as soon as you're in that mess. Absolutely. And there was Absolutely. a couple of times where you had a model that was went, that was in that kind of scrum in the, in the alley with Seamus too, and after some lures and after some moves and Seamus stabbing you a couple of times, I mean, models like the HodgePodge Emissary went down pretty quick. Big time. Yeah, yeah, that, he tanked down real quick. Uh, not only that, Levy, I just wanted to let him die just to get him out of that damn aura. Yeah, like, all right, we can we can move on here. Yeah, save save a stone, let's just push forward. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but we're going to focus mostly on our game, though, just because, you know, it was full game, had some more points scored. I always like it when points are being scored, because um, that means things are happening, so... Uh, we ended up playing Carve the Path, and this was in a flank deployment, and it was with Breakthrough, Secret Meetup, Catch and Release, Load em Up, and In Your Face. So you decided to play Guild because I think you're kind of waffling back and forth between Outcast and Guild. There's some stuff you like in each faction. So what made you kind of want to settle into uh, Sonya in this uh, in this matchup? Traditionally, my Sonya list comprise of double thralls with LLC and um, some support pieces to support those two models and Sonya. But with the Carve the Path, uh, we had load them up in the pool. Being guild, having a marker control sounded really enticing. Like, hey, there's a scheme that encourages you to have a lot of markers on the board. So yeah. that was I, I kind of made that a personal mission to 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 uh, put forward plus a blaster is always good uh, against outcast never knowing what you're going to get um but yeah i really went uh with sonia i think she has some some uh, uh pretty great offensive opportunities with her uh, confiscated lore and um <laughs> her blast and then being able to populate the board with markers yeah confiscated lore is just so dirty it's just man, I tell you, when yeah. you're just like, if, if it goes off, which, I mean, pretty much unless you flip the Black Joker, it should go off. But, I mean, you get to look at, what, the top five cards of your opponent's fate deck, and you can just be like, cool, I'm going to discard this one, this one, and keep those crappy ones on top. Yep. And what's crazy is they're putting another master in the game with this confiscated lore. With Is that the new Arcanist one? Yeah. And he's got Hoffman's gun, irreducible, <laughs> four reducible. So that'll be fantastic. Yay, that's fun. We're having fun, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so definitely, I thought a pretty decent pick. I mean, what was the list that you ended up bringing, and then what were the schemes that you picked? Yeah, so, uh, Sonia and Totem, uh, I did bring the disease containment unit, uh, one Witchling Thrall with 
Levine coat, a lawyer, a steward, uh, a guild mage to add to some some healing, and then uh, I decided to go with Thalarian Queller. Uh, knowing you picked Parker, I really like the eroded version of the Queller, and I really wanted to see if I could put to use the anti-magic field upgrade to remove your triggers with yeah. your drop it and uh, see if I can help negate the amount of markers that populate the board and ultimately snowball to a rat infestation. And spoiler alert, there were a lot of schemes on the board. Oh my <laughs> god. You thought three millimeter scheme markers were thin enough to stack on top of each other and still put your models on it? No. There was a mountain <laughs> of these damn things. Yeah, and so what were the two schemes that you ended up bringing uh, into Carve the Path? So I wound up picking Load Them Up, obviously, um, with the markers. Um, and then In Your Face, which wound up being a little difficult because I got a tunnel vision on blasting and killing. But uh, <laughs> that, that's my that's my nature. Um, so I yeah, those are the two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I did end up, and I'm kind of on this just getting reps with Dead Man Walking. And I tell you what, after playing three games with this, definitely definitely a fan. And I think our conversation before the game was interesting, Nick, because you, you listened to the podcast and you were like, I listened to the Parker episode and I couldn't quite understand how it all pieced together. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot going on with Parker too. There really is. And there's there's two maybe three major threats that you're trying to uh keep at bay and you don't have enough ap or tech to keep all all or, of those or at health. bay or health yeah it, it's just <laughs> it 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 slowly chews you down until you can't chew anymore and then you're then you're sco- then your opponent's scooping the table so it, it was yeah. it was decent yeah so in car of the path i ended up bringing uh, dead man walking with the old doc mitchell uh, of course, I had to bring Mad Dog because, you know, Mad Dog. Uh, Hodgepodge Emissary, uh, Benny Wolcombe, Pearl Musgrove. And that last spot for Parker, Dead Man Walking, is really a flex pick. But I think an outcast, uh, the Midnight Stalker and Carve the Path is just superb. Uh, so I ended up doing that. And the schemes that I ended up bringing since I knew I had the Midnight Stalker going up the flank with the Carve the Path marker anyways... I took breakthrough because I was like, once I get it where it needs to be, I can then just leap and go score, assuming Sonya doesn't kill him. So that was kind of my gambit on my end. Um, and then I also took load him up just because I'm going to be pooping out markers everywhere. As far as the game kind of going, there was a decent amount of terrain. And we kind of get set up turn one. And as far as I'm concerned with, especially with a diagonal deployment like that, unless unless you presented yourself a certain way, I was going to just kind of move into position for turn two after looking at it and kind of thinking about it. I was like, man, you actually had a couple of targets, especially I think I was looking at the guild lawyer and the uh, guild mage where I probably could have been a little more aggressive. And if I I can't remember if I had the cards turn one, I don't think I did. But if I had the cards turn one, I could have tried to kill one of your squishy dudes with that ash and rifle. Definitely. And I I split my crew between the two sides, right, where you put your carve, mark, uh, carve the path markers. Yeah. And I definitely was uh, squish heavy on one side, uh, eventually trying to lead them somewhat in the middle. 
but uh, I, I think my ultimate goal was to bait you into attacking the Thrall and trying to support that from afar, uh, which didn't ultimately work. Yeah, and I kind of just deployed in a bubble where it was basically centered around the hodgepodge uh, emissary. I used the broken lasso to move uh, a couple models up. So I moved like Mad Dog up. I ended up moving up Benny and just kind of start getting stuff up the board. That way I could just use my ranged guns for, you know, profit. And I think I ended up getting a couple shots on your thrall um, just to, you know, start getting damage on him and start doing work. Um, so it, it ended up doing some early damage, which was good, kind of help getting in. So, but that's turn two is really when we started kind of mixing it up. Uh, before we get into turn two, though, I do think that it is interesting as far as throwing the strat markers around. Like I said, something with Leap, like the Midnight Stalker, was really good. I think you were just using your minions and stuff to just kind of slide it around. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was reliant on minions, uh, the pushes from the, the disease containment unit, and then any kind of obeys from the, uh, from the lawyer. But even then, it wasn't enough. I, I didn't feel like I had an adequate enough AP to maximize my opportunities. Uh, it was really a kill first, scheme later uh, list without as much beef. So I, I think you, I played. You know the what line. I thought? Yeah, I, I thought that uh, the purifying flame actually would have been good for the marker. Yeah, he, I was surprised you didn't use him. There was so I used him for the first first two punts, but. After that, I needed, oh, what was it? There was something I needed to get in the middle of your crew, and I and I tried to bait you with, I, I was trying to save another model by sacrificing my purifying flame. Uh, um, I think you went near Benny. Yeah, yeah. I think you were just trying to occupy Benny, so that way things didn't snowball quickly. Yeah, yeah, it was a speed bump. I, I was feeding <laughs> you a speed bump, uh, if well, I recall. And it was kind of funny because you did have the thrall not near Sonya and you got first activation. So I think you were then like, okay, I need to use the thrall and do damage, but also get my model closer to Sonya. So you kind of started scooting back that way with, uh, what is it? You're coming with me trigger. You were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely goofed on a, on a, a early activation of, uh, putting Sonya in a, uh, concealing terrain uh, severe concealing terrain and she just kind of stayed there because it was too much ap to get out it was easier just to focus her stone for the positive out of it yeah. and it didn't benefit me at all because you had you were on positives for everything you shot at anyway yeah. even though you didn't even touch her it was yeah, it i really was... didn't so uh i definitely was playing catch up the entire game from those early mistakes by putting her on that side and uh, of the deployment zone yeah, in turn two, we had some pretty interesting interactions. Once you activated your Thrall, that's when I decided to activate Benny. And there were schemes kind of hanging around, so I used, you know, his loyal rats with tiny hats and ended up getting, I think I got four rats off that. No, I, I, I think I got four and there was one from the previous turn because there were five rats in the area. Mm -hmm. So I did Benny's bonus and since there were five rats within three, I think it's three inches of uh, the thrall, it just straight up just blew you up for six damage. And then, and then, <laughs> so first off, Pearl, I think she was in range and this was an interaction I missed. I think Pearl should have also healed models um, when the rats popped up because the scheme markers got removed. 
So that's an interaction I missed, but that was fine. But then you blew up and you killed most of those rats and you did two damage to Benny. So out of your model dying, I ended up drawing four cards. I ended up creating a rat and I discarded a card to then go ahead and drop another scheme. So, I mean, net positive for Benny. That's that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That That's one of the few times I regretted having demise explosive two on a model you know it's, you're like can i not blow up yeah yeah i actually checked I, I i had to read the front of card to see if it was a may and it's not a may well it turns out when you're uh you're a crazy thrall that has you know fire in your heart you can't control it right oh that was brutal. so i felt pretty good with that um that interaction was going pretty well and then I think you were also just kind of trying to figure out what you were doing with Sonya besides just machine gunning, just pyre markers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we just kind of had, I think you had problems deciding where you're going. Plus Parker's crew, even though it's kind of a bubble crew, it's like a very elastic mobile bubble crew. So the auras are kind of larger and I don't have to stay just in one area. Things are fast, and then with Broken Man's Lasso, I can push stuff out of the way. I can push your models closer. Uh, there's just a lot going on with Parker where I was just able to move my models in better positions mm -hmm. and then also try to move your stuff closer so then I could throw Mad Dog or something into it. Absolutely, and even the pyres weren't that big of a detriment. The yeah. burning wasn't your biggest hurdle. It was just being severe because uh, the rats can just get rid of your burning which is so stupid yeah. that's yeah. Uh, you know these little rats blown burning off of off of your models yeah but... i think i didn't get much of a chance because you actually did a pretty good job of limiting i i think your focus was i don't want benny getting out of control so that's your focus i felt like it really was it really was i was definitely afraid of what could happen with the the benny rat bomb of it expanding and contrasting and destroying yeah, and it's not only just the rat bomb, because you obviously do have that, but then if if there are opportunities, you can then grow them into rat kings and then possibly to rat catchers. So it can get just crazy amount of APs and models going once uh, it gets out of control. Absolutely, absolutely. Because like you said, Parker, because Broken Man's Lasso on Dead Man Walking, Pretty much, if you, especially if you get the bonus off, because it's after resolving on a model for drop it, if you get that bonus off, which I, I feel like you don't want to cheat a high card on that bonus action because it's like, yeah, I don't want that happening, but there's other important stuff going on. So that being up on a model is, is pretty big because then I can just be like, cool, I'm going to broken man lasso you three times. And I don't even have to, you know, actually hit with it. I can just drop schemes and then not only am I dropping schemes, but one of those is going to uh, do damage to you. Right. 100%. You did a good job of not bunching up too much, though. I, I think I only a couple times got more than one model with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really tried to feed you one at a time and mm -hmm. keep my 14 and 12 inch threat ranges at bay and i mean you can just charge forward and, and do your damage but trying to keep that wall of of pyres and that uh, to try to deter that from happening and what's crazy is all of this stuff going on i still feel your all-star even with a few missed interactions was still uh uh the sister uh what's her pearl face Musgrove. pearl the the marker removing there's always markers being removed and picked up in a parker crew in this parker yeah. crew that you created or that you played 
there's a significant amount of ping healing that you get with her on a regular reminiscent of guild mage and perdita's crew it's just constant it's just happening passively and that's great yeah and it's even if you remove a marker if your pyre markers get removed if you know blow it to hell marker gets removed so you can really set up and i'm i'm getting better at it that's only my third game with the crew so i feel good that i picked up as much as i did because i feel like i could have missed a lot more of those interactions but i mean there was times where you were really going after benny and i'm like cool i'm going to remove these you know three markers from something like the tiny rats trigger and or mm-hmm. I, I should say action and i'm like cool now i heal three because i removed three uh ski markers because benny was within all three of them yep. so you can really set up pretty consistent healing that doesn't really require much flipping uh you also have the hodgepodge emissary healing stuff you also have doc mitchell who's able to heal stuff which apparently you, you have hate in your heart because you killed the good doctor <laughs> Hey, you were mathing out that final final kill on well, Lady J can, earlier. Can you talk about how annoying that is with this dead man walking? Because there in the one and a half games you and I played, there were probably three instances of me just being like, Cool, I'm gonna drop this, you know, scheme marker and because of Parker's ability, um perdition, you just take a damage and die. Oh, yeah. High armor doesn't give a shit about ping damage on on that level yeah. with perdition. It's brutal. Uh, took down Lady J uh, yep. in our earlier game, and well, so that was a funny interaction though because I was actually shooting other models with Parker, and you're like, uh, "Why aren't you killing Lady J?" And then you looked and you saw abandon all hope, and you're like, "Ah, hell." Yep. Yep. I was like, <laughs> "Oh, there you go. That's it. I'm stone dead." And there's a marker in. Uh, a ski marker next to me. You're just going to convert it and kill me. Great. Yep. Yep. It, it's good. It's so good. Like we were talking about, though, how does someone in guild counter that? Is it uh, Leadline Coat or is it the other the other upgrade that has the, the resist- anti shockwave one or whatever? Anti shockwave blasts uh, to a minimum of zero. But you don't know because one's good against Parker 1 and one's good against Parker 2 and you're just rolling the dice. Yeah, I mean, I think if you know the person's bringing uh, Dead Man Walking maybe because they never play Parker 1, obviously that second one's better. But yeah, if you're playing against Parker 2, I mean, I think Leadline Coat's always pretty good. Plus, Leadline Coat's not bad against Parker 2 because he can't lasso you. So that's always mm-hmm. good. Yeah, but, fair enough. For sure. But, you know, it, it is what it is. But... It was a pretty bloody affair. You and I were both kind of chunking models and kind of going for blood. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a... Uh, <laughs> I kept Benny buried in that first game as long as possible <laughs> in a pine box. Uh, because of the shenanigans he can do, it was walk, bury, and then try to pull that model away from all your markers that were dropped. So if he does so, unbury, I can send him backwards. Going back to your, your comment about Pearl, do you think she was kind of the MVP just because of all the ping healing? Yeah, she she kept the models on the table long enough to continue to be a major threat. Even with the damage I was outputting, I wasn't able to chew through fast enough. Um, I, I, think it, I think you're right, because traditionally Parker's crew's weakness has been they're fast and mobile, but they die relatively easy. And she just makes it, along with the Emissary and Doc, makes it where it's just a little bit survivable, where it can kind of keep going at you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
And also her kick up dust is just a reliable put a scheme down for perdition. So that's another good little ping heal or ping uh, damage you have for uh, perdition's sake. Absolutely. Yeah, so I think at the end of turn two, I actually, I'm trying to remember, I think I might have missed the carve the path point on the first turn just because I black joker to leap. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I missed that point turn, uh, turn two, maybe. I can't remember. I might have, but I might have got it. I might not have. I can't remember. Gotcha. I'm I'm pretty sure I got it, but I think I was I had bigger plans in my head. But either yeah. way, you ended up getting yours. I I think I got mine, and I don't think either of us scored the schemes turn turn two. No, we scored late, and actually, I I think your uh, load them up was delayed because of that, because you you couldn't uh, leap because you were gonna yeah. you were gonna kick the marker leap and then interact to drop another marker for yep. the sixth. Yep. So. And I was getting ready to set up break breakthrough, so that just slowed me down about a, probably a turn. Yeah. So I was I was just like, all right, well, I guess we're setting up for the next turn. Hope hope Sonya doesn't blast him to death. But <laughs> since you were in the, I think the reason why I was a little aggressive and rolled the dice is because you were in the forest and I have manipulative. So I was like, how many resources are you gonna you know put into trying to dunk on the midnight stalker? Yeah. No, for sure. That, I think I kind of just gave up on him. Because it, it would take an entire activation to maybe deal with him. To maybe deal with him, yeah. And and he always had manipulative up, and I didn't have my fire burning engine up to where I had positives on my friendlies because I sabotaged yeah, you, my. Yeah, you kind of ran through your fire turn two pretty quick. Real quick, yeah, yeah. And and your and your poor thrall died. <laughs> poor thrall. Yeah, I had big plans for the thrall. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do with the thrall is on Sonia's. Uh, burn them out attack, uh, attack action on a crow trigger. You can remove all non-pyre markers within pulse two. That was my long shot to try to remove all of the markers from uh, Benny summoning, but that would have healed like seven on <laughs> people in Pearl's aura. So, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, and I will say, because I've, I've tried to play Hamlin before, because I do like the rat engine, and I do like the rats, and I do like Plague, but it there's like if I feel like if I played Hamlin and tried to do the rat thing, I think you would have chewed me up with Sonya. I only think that this game was close because Parker two and the way that crew is built out it was so flexible. It's able to kind of yeah, you're doing your blast thing, but I can then move and kind of get around it a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. And putting companion on Mad Dog is bullshit. <laughs> did i companion during that game i don't know if i No, it was the first it. game you did it and, and it just that's such a good option to set up a murder it's just yeah there is a you did like i said you kind of did a good job of not bringing too much close together uh because if there was an opportunity um yeah i, I could easily dead man's lasso put some stuff together and then go ahead and just bring mad dog in and just start you know waylaying with the shotgun yeah, but turn two was bloody because I think you and you lost the thrall. I think I lost Benny turn three. I didn't lose him turn two, um, but I know you lost your thrall. I think you also lost your purifying flame, mm -hmm. and things were also starting to get shot at on both ends. Uh, you actually obeyed Mad Dog once on my turn, so that was great. That was great. Felt real good. <laughs> I was like, man, that's a real jerk move. Well, you could tell Dixon that you did uh, relent. I did it. 
<laughs> I relented, and I still took like four damage. Right, I know that. It flipped three nines. On yeah, the I was relent. like, oh, I did what I was supposed to, and I still took four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was a cool little trick. Definitely learned on that last podcast. Dixon was like, you know, Chris, you can just you know relent because they're both your models, and I was like, oh, that's cool, and I remembered. Yep. Yeah. But it, it is still kind of a negative because Mad Dog has a trigger on all suits. So, yeah, you know, you're like, I'm going to relent. But that gives your opponent, like, the choice of all the suits. So that, that was a little rough. That but. is true. I guess, yeah, that it's different stakes for different uh, uh, models because of the I, I was I was kind of spread out enough and I didn't have, you know, armor and stuff. So I was kind of like, you know, whatever you want to take, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so we kind of get into turn three. We're definitely still kind of banging this out. I'm now progressing towards the middle of the board because the th- I feel like the Thrall was the only thing threatening that I needed to be careful of because, my goodness, if you haven't played against those Thralls when they're cooking, those things can do, what, like min five damage or something? Uh, it's something min, crazy. They're min two with built-in crit, so with the RAM, they're min four. But so they can top four. out at eight or nine with the red joker. Yeah, which is super scary. Yeah, super scary. And yeah. if and they have a built-in trigger for their drawn to pain, so if they're next to Sonya, and they push after they get damaged, they're doing a free attack. So that's kind of the shtick with with Sonya too, right? Is she wants to stuff to push out of activation so you get free attacks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was really which, trying which to... You, you, I would say you didn't quite get to do in our game. No, no. I really lost a lot of synergy uh, by keeping Sonya uh, stuck in that damn uh, forest. Uh, <laughs> You're just like, why am I Why am I here? Right, right. <laughs> uh, so I was really trying to set up an op- opportunity for the lawyer to obey the thrall to charge within that 8-inch aura so I can get the charge attack and the free push attack. Yeah. And I was just out of that eight inch bubble. It was, it was stupid. I just was landlocked in this, in this forest. And so that really held me back a little bit in, in trying to play from behind. So it's tough because you didn't really have a way to help move her out of there. I feel like really, yeah, you just, the models you brought didn't quite have the tools to help get her out of the forest. So you pretty much would have had to double walk to get out of there. I, yeah. And in, in hindsight, I probably should have had the DCU on that side to, uh, just at least put offer the templates down. Yeah, and, and just keep bonus actioning uh, to push her. I guess an inch and a half in that uh, uh, area to get out. But eventually, you know, round two, you're you're in better shape than you were when you deployed. Yeah, and um, looking at turn three when we were getting into it, I'm trying to remember what you were using to kill Benny that turn because I had some damage. I think you obeyed Mad Dog to do damage. I'm trying to remember what you used to finish off Benny. Um, if I recall, I read Jokered with the DCU. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so it was and five I damage. Think I, and then I think I stoned for a freaking... Uh, oh, no, no. So I actually remember. So you did a crap ton of damage, but you actually finished him off with Sonya because you did her stupid card thing, and you're like, cool, I did... I think you did four damage. She has two, three, five... You might have even severed it for five, um, but I had the opportunity to stone to see if I could save Benny. Mm-hmm. But I remembered, I'm like, oh, you did stupid confiscated lords. Like, there's no way you put a decent card. That's right. Yes. On top. So I was like, I'm gonna let him die because I'm pretty sure this is nothing. 
and you splash damage onto Parker for three. And I was like, okay, I'll stone this. And it was like a one. So I was like, yeah, yeah, that was a good decision because you're not going to keep any high cards on in my deck with confiscated lore. Right, right. The the four times I did the confiscated lore, there was one severe that was discarded and the and the uh, the rest of the cards were all weeks to put right on yeah. the top of your deck. That Felt good. Yeah. Or uh, there was one in the previous. Oh no, it was this game. It was a black joker that I put on top to to sink in the mad dog uh, attack with Sony. I think it was round four, but. Appreciate uh, it. That's a that's a brutal ability, though. <laughs> it it's is. just you find that black on top of that deck, then you can just sculpt whatever you want to happen. Yeah, and I mean, I think Sonya's activation, Flame Burst, is where you're trying to. So honestly, I think a lot of the times it's confiscated lore, Flame Burst twice, and then put on the pyre out, and that's pretty much a good Sonya activation most times. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. So you've played a little bit of Sonya. Have you used Burn Them Out at all just to get another charge off of maybe a Thrall? I have, yeah. I've used it for also the Divine Strike, uh, being able to push a model and then pulse out staggered in a aura two That's is good. huge. Yeah, in certain matchups, burn them out with the Ram trigger to heal two on a thrall that's that's slowly getting eaten, um, is pretty beneficial because you get that free attack. He's healing. Yeah, that that could have been good in our matchup if it if it didn't die super quick. Yep, absolutely. That's why I definitely appreciated the games that we played because there's not much uh, dancing around and playing KG in the two, well, one and a half games that you and I played. We both were kind of like, cool, we're in the middle of the board. Let's bang this out. Absolutely. That's the best way to learn. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have much experience with uh, Sonya too. So it was, it was good learning experience. And then just trying to uh, expect the unexpected from what you were putting together. So. It was, it was I, fun. I will say, though, I feel like I didn't love the matchups that I dropped Parker to in both of those games. Because one was Lady J, so I'm like, oh, cool, all my synergies just getting buried. Um, and then this one, I was like, oh, cool, there's all these blast markers I'm going to have to deal with. And I definitely, I was surprised how well Parker 2 and his crew could just kind of fight out of it. I was pleasantly surprised where... It, it didn't feel great, but it, there was some playability to kind of fight out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was, I was impressed the uh, how well the Parker crew lasted and how much damage was was pushed through. Uh, the, the Perdition was totally threw me for a loop. I did not expect the amount of damage to come through on Perdition. It, as, as it, it seems did. underwhelming on the card, but on the table, it actually becomes quite problematic. Right. And then what do you do? Do you stone it? Do you not? Uh, yeah. I didn't bring a ton of, of uh, shielded. So how do, you, how do you get rid of those little single points? Yeah. Or even if you have shielding, I mean, just pinging off the shield is kind of annoying itself because you, you want to use that for that big splashy damage. Mm -hmm. So that, that was definitely interesting. And we got, so I think at the end of turn three, I think we both kind of start scoring. I know I scored breakthrough at that point. So I think at that point, I didn't quite get load them up yet. I was still setting that up. Yep. Um, so I think I was sitting at three, and I think you were at two, if I recall, right? Uh, I don't. You didn't score in your face till last turn, and I don't think you scored load them up yet. I think you scored that right. turn before. The load them up, and uh, boys and girls, remember uh, the reveal? Those yes. markers have to be one inch away from each other. So you were going to score it. You're like, oh, I got load them up. You're like, oh, crap. Those are like right next to each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, crap. Yeah, that's not going to work. So, uh, yeah, I had to re refocus that uh 
round four. Another, so another thing that was interesting that we kind of just figured out in the game was that the strategy marker, if it pushes through other markers, reveal or um, removes them. Yeah. Which, hey, that happens to be a little more synergy with my girl Pearl. Because you can just push through a bunch of markers and heal a bunch. Shit, you're right. I didn't I didn't put that together. I didn't think about it till after the game. I was like, holy shit, man, that totally works. Oh my god, yeah, it does. I hate Interesting. It. <laughs> uh yeah, it's just it, it is it is definitely good and um I have I moving forward I know to be a little more careful with her because I think that aura of healing definitely is important and I think if people actually start playing against Dead Man Walking she's good and even I honestly maybe even with Parker one I think she's probably still there just because schemes are being removed for cashing out and stuff mm-hmm. I, I think she's worth removing just because of all that ping heal that she can put on her crew oh absolutely so we start getting in turn four and stuff starts dying pretty quickly here uh turn four I think I actually lose Parker turn four yes um because he was down pretty low and I think just with some fire and just with some long range shots uh, you ended up getting them because we both were out of stones by that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. So Parker ended up going down. You ended up losing the... Uh, you actually lost a lot turn four. You ended up losing the lawyer, the queller, and the mage turn four. Yeah. Yeah, they got destroyed. It was a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. I think you read red jokered your mad dog attack or something because I remember two of them Some, somebody got evaporated somebody got evaporated unexpectedly too quick uh, and it, like all right i had plans for that i guess i'm not doing x <laughs> y and z but um yeah that was definitely a brutal round um yeah because i ended up losing parker on top of that and i ended up i think you killed doc mitchell either the turn before or that turn and then i think it was the turn before let's see here benny was already dead i think i can't remember if you killed pearl or not you might have. I think I so. Uh, the DCU red jokered on somebody and put yeah. a bunch of burning out. And I mean, she only has seven with hard to kill. <laughs> seven with hard to kill. Okay. No, I definitely didn't one shot her then. Um, yeah, I don't remember where the, where uh, where she. Yeah, stayed. I th- yeah, I think she might have. Uh, she might have got dropped because I think. I mean, going into turn five, I mean, we both scored a decent amount of points, but we were both also pretty low on models. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think going into five, let's see here, we both had loaded them up at that point. And so I think I was sitting at four and you might have been sitting at five, maybe? I know, I think you were all, I think we were tied four four actually, now that I'm thinking about it, going into turn five. Yeah, going into turn five, we were four four. Yeah, and actually at that point, you still hadn't even revealed that you had in your face because you didn't score the first point of it. What was kind of the hard part of you scoring that first point? Were you just not able to kill anybody near you or near Parker before he died? Yeah, yeah. I I was stuck in the trees, so that limited half of my leader options to be next to somebody to kill. Yeah. Um, and so where Parker was, he was behind Benny, the rats. Uh, he was there was that central rock, and, and so it was yeah. just it was a mess. And I and I to be honest with you, I forgot about it. I was focused on <laughs> you didn't realize it till like turn three, right? I was trying to keep scheme markers off the board. And I was trying to keep. There's a lot of other priorities, um, but then Mad Dog <laughs> came across to try to score something or to try to punt the marker into the. So yeah, turn five, I had to punt the marker up. Yeah, and that's when I said, "Screw it, I'm going all in." I, I, I got to try. Which I was kind of so I what. 
and just just kind of for everybody, when I play New Crew, I'm really the first two games definitely. I'm just trying to figure out what the crew does. This was the first game that I felt like I was scoring actually points, and it, it felt really good. Um, it's not until probably my eighth to tenth game I start countering with a crew. So I I wasn't even looking at what your schemes you probably picked were. So I saw you going into Mad Dog, and I was like, okay, I guess you can kill Mad Dog, whatever. And then you're like, cool, in your face. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way, Pete. Uh, I, I don't look at trying to maximize and minimize my opponent's schemes until... I mean, there's ones that are that are obvious that it's like, cool, I'll counter that right now. But especially when I'm learning a crew, I'm really not. And plus, we were just having a fun time with just stuff dying and us scoring points, so I, I actually didn't really care. I was right. like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And you ended up scoring your third point for Carve the Path. So this one ended up being like a 6-6 game and mm-hmm. um, ended up being a draw because I was able to get my second point for Breakthrough. Uh, I ended up getting, like I said, uh, third point for the car- carve the path and then load them up. I didn't even see what the second one was. If there's three or more chosen marker within three of either leader. So my leader was dead and you could just avoid that one just by not getting near any scheme markers. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to look at that one. Cause that's actually, that can be an easy one to deny unless it's your leader. So I guess I could put Parker if he's still alive. But I feel like Parker is going to be a pretty heavy target in this crew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. But he's not the biggest target to go after. He's He's, not. He's one of the three, you you know, like anybody that's played against a guild mage in guild, you go after the mage first. So I feel like Pearl might be first in target priority. And then, oh, I fucking hate Benny. Benny caused so many issues. And he he kept your resources up with, with cards. And it just... When things didn't go your way, it still went your way. Uh, he, he's, yeah, he's, right. he's brutal. Um, and then definitely Parker. But then you still have Mad Dog as a major threat. And That's the thing, the... right? You're you're talking about three important targets, and then you're like, oh, yeah, there's Mad Dog just, you know, blasting you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. It's there, There's a lot of major threat priorities that kind of operate independently. And you know what I really like about, because Mad Dog's usually, I, I feel like a lot of times, more of a liability because you're almost struggling to get him out of being engaged because I think anybody that knows Mad Dog is like, cool, I'm going to charge him and engage him and that way he can't shoot me. But literally, I think, let me check real quick. There's one, there's two, there's three. There's three very key models that can move Mad Dog out of engagement. I mean, you can move him out of engagement with Parker. You can move him out with Doc. You can move him out with the HodgePodge. No, Pearl doesn't. So you you could do some kind of weird things with Pearl to probably get him out of there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's just good tools to kind of disengage Mad Dog without having to waste his actions. So, and the fact, like you were saying, there's other targets where it's like, I need to deal with this crap. So Mad Dog, sadly, kind of gets forgotten about sometimes. And if you go after Mad Dog, then it's like, okay, then Benny's getting all this crap in your face. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's kind of tough. Absolutely. Yeah, so how did you feel about uh, Sonya and how she played? I, I think she plays well. I just didn't play her well, if that makes sense. <laughs> you played her okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm i kicking myself over the over the missed opportunities and the mistakes I made, but I, I'm definitely not going to make those mistakes again, and I'm going to keep growing. But I think she has some 
some real staying power. Uh, I don't know about in uh, Carve, Carve a Path. I think she's going to be more beneficial in some of these other uh, schemes yeah. where you where killing is more key um, and you don't rely on mobility. But uh, yeah. I think she definitely has some staying power in GG3. Yeah, I think in uh, long-term getting games with her, uh, either you would need to kind of get something out of keyword to maybe be a little more mobile, uh, especially in a corner, not a corner deployment, but a wedge deployment. And then also with Carve the Path, because like I said, I think Carve the Path, you really need a mobile model just to be like, I really feel it would have been beneficial for you to hire something, even if you hired something like a, uh, like a mounted guard, just something, or the, I wouldn't do the Pale Rider, that's too expensive, but the Mounted Guard out of keyword. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, what's another fast guild model that you could probably throw in there? They got a bunch of crap, but I don't know if there's anything, a yeah. lot of independent models like that. Yeah, and that board had a lot of uh, severe terrain, so you would you would need a rider or a horse of some kind for unimpeded. Um, but the Emissary's so fast. Some, and... Yeah, some kind of fast model. like. But I guess you got the other side of that coin, though, is if it, you can have the... Uh, hypermobile efficient model that may or may not die, or you can have lots of AP spread across, Yeah, you know, twice as many models to support those schemes. Yeah, you could have also, now, I don't know, Lone Marshall wants to shoot. He's fast, but I think he likes shooting, so I don't think that's necessarily a great option. Yeah, but he has run and gun, so he can move and shoot at the same time and then interact, mo- yeah. charge, interact, charge, interact. I mean, if you want to stay... In keyword, I mean, Sam Hopkins is pretty decent. He's moved six with Creep Along. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely decent. And I, you know, I know, I know about a lot of people him. don't. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I think in Carve the Path, he would have helped. Definitely. And he has rapid fire, so maybe, I've, maybe he deserves some life. You know what? I I forget that he is unimpeded and, <laughs> and moves six. Like, yeah, he's usually the that guy that helped that on just, that board a lot. Yeah, he he's traditionally known for just putting fire on models for at range for for sonia one to ignore friendly fire and concealment and crap i felt really good about my list i wouldn't have changed anything no no <laughs> your list was great and i like that you flexed out the uh gunslinger or convict gunslinger yeah. from the first game over to the uh, midnight stalker that was a great change yeah i was going to keep uh the same list but then i was like no let's go ahead and flex that out and i was like okay we're doing carve the path that like screams the midnight hunter Mm-hmm. So we'll do that. Uh, there is really like eight and nine stones that you have to flex picks with. So you could either do that to flex like another beater. You could do that to tech. You could use that for a scavenger. There's literally a lot of things you can do with that last slot in Parker too. So, I mean, but now that you've seen it on the board, I mean, does it kind of make sense how it works? And now you're kind of like, okay, I understand how this works now. I do. I do. I, I, I'm a big proponent for crews that have... Uh, multiple threat vectors that can shift gears quickly and apply pressure where they need. And this uh, Parker two hits every one of those marks that uh, makes me love, love a crew. Yeah, definitely. uh, I think once the first time I put on the board, I I just, I would played it terribly. And I was like, I don't know how good this is. And then I played three, two more games with it against you and it's just started kind of clicking on like the auras and what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And Benny just kind of just Benny and Mad Dog being fast every turn is just ridiculous. Yeah. Because absolutely. Parker's not hogging scheme markers in this. So really, it's for the rest of your crew to use for whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. 
and also scoring like all these scheme, you know, schemes. There's a ton of them where it's like, oh, you need a scheme marker for this, this, and this. And it's just like, cool. Well, Parker's puking them out. If I don't want them to be rats, I guess I can score off of them. Right. The only thing I would say to be careful is I think, and I was starting to catch myself with this and you were helping me with it, is with the drop it triggers, it drops enemy schemes. Mm. So, and there are a few of these where it obviously says friendly scheme markers. So, you do, I think you want to set it up where you use the uh, enemy scheme markers off your droppets for things like, you know, rats and stuff and healing. And then you want to try to keep your scheme markers out there for, you know, profit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, cool. So, I mean, a- any last minute thoughts for our tied game where we got 6-6 six, six there? Uh, no, I think we touched on everything. I'm, I'm really impressed where Parker 2 is at right now. Um uh, I hope to see him on the board more uh, from my opponents. And uh, after Nova, I will definitely be jumping into Outcast heavier and, and <laughs> trying to play him a lot more. Yeah, I'm pretty much him and Zip, too. I'm pretty much dropping games into for a while just because I want to see. I think Parker 2 is going to make it into my rotation. I really like what he does. Uh, I'm still eyeballing Zip, too, and trying to figure out if the Dread Pirate has play into this pool into this uh you know season three yeah so we'll see we'll see he has some things that i'm excited about absolutely i think my main focus or my draw to outcasts is uh levy one and two parker two for sure and tara has always been appealing to me and uh, i think she's got some legs in gg3 so i didn't even put tara in my bag she's not an option (laughs) i mean i'm just I've played it and I know it's good. It's just not my play style. There's a lot of weird things that got to happen for her to score. And I feel like she gets in the Lady J territory where sometimes it's like, I'm doing all this cool stuff and burying you, but oh yeah, I got to score too. Yeah. And Tara one's better at scoring in my opinion. I guess, I don't know. I got to see what Tara two does to actually score points. Tier one move, having move crap around right. Tier one though having five AP basically to yeah. do what she wants with the lead. That's always good. Always good. We definitely had fun playing that game. I really have been enjoying all these damn games I'm getting with GG three. Uh, but looking at what's going on in October, so there's a lot of people looking at Gen Con. Obviously this week we have Nova coming up in uh, in September, but. We'll see who's making it. I know I'm personally not going to go just because of personal gripes and I'm an a-hole, but that's fine. And so, but the one I'm excited about that going to be pretty big is you guys are throwing a Lone Star Fodown event in Houston, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, our game store finally, uh, opened up, a, another wing. And so we're able to, uh, support, uh, 30 wargaming tables there in the back and, uh, uh, we've got the whole place booked up for the weekend, uh, October 7th through the 9th. Uh, we're doing a, a Henchman Hardcore uh, on Friday, and then Saturday starts the GT uh, five round uh, over two days. So um, we've already had 20-plus people confirm they're, they're attending, and historically Malifaux players do not put any advance notice on, on their tournaments. That's fair. So um, we kind of did a preliminary poll for our locals so at least people know that, hey, we've got a, a decent amount to warrant a, uh, a you know, a two-dayer. Uh, and 
but we're looking forward to it just to just to host and and and, and spread that uh, you know southern hospitality. It's it's for real down here. You know, I know a lot of part of the world thinks that we're narcissists, and I, I've because uh, you are. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that because we own it. Um, but th- there's also the other side of that coin. There's there's this is a great place to be and to to enjoy. And uh, the meta here, the people are great. Uh, hope we can get a lot more uh, out of towners and uh, and uh, have a good time. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at doing it. I just got to see if I can change a flight because I'm coming back from Las Vegas that week. So I'm going to try to change a flight to either Dallas or Houston and I'll either drive from Dallas or I'll just actually I'm already flying into Dallas. So I really just have to see if I can get something into Houston from there. And if not, I can just drive down, I guess. But uh, Pete, um, I will pick your ass up, buddy. <laughs> there we go. Dallas is three and a half hours up. I'll go get you. Yeah, it's not that bad. You'll buy barbecue. I'm driven a lot farther uh yeah so i mean looking at the tournament i mean have you guys released the uh the pool yet or now you kind of like okay now we have gg3 we'll get a pool out there soon yeah now that we have gg3 uh we definitely are, are working on the pool uh and the the worst thing is putting random schemes together and yeah, you don't do that. It, it, <laughs> so uh, I know uh, Doug Bowman, uh, without an R, uh, he is really methodical about his uh, scheme and, and strat selections. And uh, uh, I know uh, he's up at Gen Con this week, and so uh, he won't be putting in that effort until end of this week and into next. So, But, uh, but he's definitely a proponent of providing advance notice of the scheme pool. And it is. it looks like it's, what, 55 bucks gets you in the weekend. Yep. And what kind of prize support y'all plan on having there? Uh, we have locals uh, doing all kinds of cool stuff for uh, for the prize support. Uh, Weird is definitely sending a whole grab bag. Uh, uh, I know last time at our LVO event, uh, it got lost in the mail, and everybody got mailed things three weeks yeah. later. <laughs> but uh, 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 actually, I believe Doug's picking that up this week up at uh, the Weird booth. So. Um, Doug's also sponsoring the event. The game, the local game store, uh, Dragon's Lair, is sponsoring the event. Um, so there'll be there'll be a lot of uh, fun fun things for the for price support. Uh, not only that, they opened up a bar and tavern at the game oh, store. Oh man! So you know, look out! You 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 crap out day one. You just have fun the rest of so the, the weekend. So what, what I'm hearing you say is I need to go back to Bayou and play Brew Master Moonshiner. Yeah. And yeah. just get drunk. Or you can go crazy and play three fermented monks in Shenlong, but whatever. I don't believe in that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, I mean, how's that, the Dragon's Lair um, game store? I mean, is that a decent store? I mean, oh, it's fantastic. They, they've been okay. great to their to the... Um, the people that support their store, they're even better uh, supporting them. Uh, they definitely pay it forward. They just moved into a much larger spot, and uh, uh, they they worked through COVID uh, and, and kept their employees working, um, doing these great uh, porch pickup uh, events. And like they were really engaged through a lot of the crap that was going on over the last couple of years, and they're really excited to have us back in in full motion. And they're supporting us. Part actually one of the reasons why they expanded to the space they're in is because their wargaming space uh got so popular um their uh, warhammer and, and warm hordes has, has expanded just like malifo so we're getting easily 10 to 12 tables uh, uh on our monthly tournaments sweet so we're, we're we're doing well on a local side but uh, uh would love to get the rest of the country in 
Yeah, and definitely, uh, I think there's a lot of room, especially in like the Midwest and, you know, the West Coast. And I know we were talking about, obviously, Nova is trying to do this, you know, U.S. faux tour and and that's fine. But definitely a more central location where it's easier for everybody to get to is always preferable. So hopefully we can get some kind of group or committee together where we can try to get something a little more attainable for, you know, the United States is a big country. We're not like Europe where, you know, we can hop on a train and go anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. Although I'm super jealous about that. Uh, Me too. Proud to be America. Um, Yeah. Mm. America. But uh, yeah, I do like the idea of something more centrally located and also not tied to a major con that bloats the cost for attendance. Well, Um, that was another thing. It's like, I mean, you're looking at 55 for this event. You're looking at then... You know, the room rates, I imagine they couldn't be much more than, you know, maybe you're spending a few hundred bucks for the weekend. Yeah. So and it's right next to the hotel, next to the game store as well. So I I really feel like they're like we don't. This is the thing that kind of drives me mad about nerds sometimes is, yeah, the big cons are cool. But I think for people who like tournaments, they're actually not the best atmosphere for it. I was talking to you while you were down here and we were talking about the problem with the masters tournament for the faux tour is you're going to have this cutoff, but then let's say, let's say you invite what, 26 people to the masters event. I don't know what the actual cutoff, it's like 20 something, Mm -hmm. but the problem is those 26 that you invite, maybe half of them aren't going to be able to come. So then you have to then be like, okay, well, let's try to get. And the thing is, it's like Nova tickets, I'm pretty sure, are already sold out, if not close. Correct I, me if I'm wrong. I know they had to extend their, their ticket space for their uh, two-day uh, GT. Yeah. They went from 32 to 40, I believe. But I think they're maxed at that. Yeah. But I don't know. I, that's Well, I'm not even talking about the Malifaux. I'm just talking about the con in, in general. I don't know if you can still get tickets for the Nova event. Oh, is what I'm saying. that's a good, good question. It, I think they're so that's kind of that's kind of the problem with these big you know cons. But I tell you what, you couldn't get you couldn't get a hotel block anywhere. You that was a pain in the butt. Like the hotels were almost sold out like within forty eight hours of going live, like the week that Mm -hmm. went live or something like that. So that was another frustrating part. And you're paying out the ass for it. Where it's like you know if if you have competitive nerds, it's like you want something like Captain Con or you want something like. You know what y'all are doing in Houston, something in Atlanta, where it doesn't need to be in some ridiculous, swanky hotel and resort. It's just something where it's like, let's get a bunch of tables, let's get you know maybe some beer flowing, and let's just have a good time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We're here for the community, not for the event. I mean, I'm not going to see much of Nova other than the people on the other side of the three by three table I'm playing at. So yeah, or the bar stool at the other yeah because that's one of the things that's frustrating for me is i've been to a couple of big conventions before and when you're actually playing in a tournament by the time you're done at the end of the day which usually get done around eight or nine depending on the rounds and times Mm -hmm. booths are closing down people are already going to dinner and stuff and you go to dinner and then you're like, oh, I'm just going to go chill in the room. And then you got to wake up the next day and do the same thing. So it's really hard to get the full, you know, convention experience when you're doing tournaments. Right. Specifically. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think as a, as a community, we can kind of try to figure out something better than doing this at something like Nova. That's just, you know, plus there's just people who can't afford to do that. I mean, let's be honest. 
I mean, if you're, if you've got a family, you know, your family probably doesn't want you puking out a bunch of money. If you're in that situation, if you're a college kid who doesn't have the money for that, you don't want to be paying for it. So definitely not as inclusive as it could be as far as getting more people to play. Yeah. Yeah. DC is not a cheap city. No. Yeah. I like it as a qualifier. I like it as a, as a, a regular tournament to play in, um, give people that option, but to force people into masters at that, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm excited to see how it unfolds. And I know it's come through a lot with, uh, you know, the, the three open beta and the, uh, all the crap that's happened that's delayed it up to this point. I'm fine. I'm glad yeah. that we're finally ripping the bandaid off and getting something going and, and trying it out and hopefully yeah. doing better next year. Right. That's, yeah, that's and by all, by all means, you definitely, I know I'm digging a little bit at it, but that's just trying to be a little constructive about it. I definitely want them to do it. And I want that, you know, the people that play in it to have a good time and I want the people, um, to enjoy themselves there, but I also want there to be room and improvement for the next time. And that's definitely an important conversation. And that doesn't get done if we're just like, oh yeah, this is great. Uh -huh. No, for sure. For sure. And I know Owen and them are very open to, uh, uh, yeah. uh, advice and, and things, even with the questions, they're, they're already asking questions to try to make it better, which is awesome. You know, that's, um, they're taking the I, feedback. I, I and had one very important question that they answered and that made me not want to play in the, or not even play in the tournament. Made me not want to go to the event. So I hear you. I, I just, like I said, man, I've been living in South Carolina. We're doing things a little different in some of these States and, I'm kind of past it, so I know I, some people will think I'm an idiot because of that. I don't care. I still love you, Pete. Don't worry about it. I know. I know. <laughs> well, plus, it was funny because when I was talking to Chris about it, he's like, who cares? It's like, stop being an asshole. It's like, you know, you got to stand for something or you stand for nothing, right? There you go. There you go. But more tournaments, always better. Keep packing them in. Keep doing them. Keep getting your local groups growing and strong, so... I definitely hope people keep doing that and we keep kind of growing the game more and more. Uh, last thing I do want to ask you, Nick, is have you had a chance to look at this new keyword much? Uh, yeah, a little bit. It it concerns me a little bit. Uh, it? Yeah, I mean, we just got 50-some new title masters that I had to learn and now they're adding another uh, master per faction, I'm assuming. Um, but no, I think Damien Ravencroft. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, defective dice and danger uh, planet and all the content creators on the lore have been helping me overcome my lack of reading of old books. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm digging the lore about him being an old witchling stalker and uh, he's even got the sword and so I, 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 I'm eating that up right now. So I got to look at it because I, I honestly haven't looked a ton at the uh at the actual cards just because uh, like i said i'm a big person where it's like okay I'm, I'm gonna wait till it's released and i'm also gonna wait until i probably see it on the table so chris might proxy it just so we can talk about it yeah but i know what there's a, one of these abilities it's basically the card manipulation that people are not even the card manipulation the when a friendly witness model would cheat fate, it may discard a card to cheat fate with the card in your configuration. I think there's also an ability to have your opponent cheat first. So I think there's a couple things going on there where people are a little concerned with some of the manipulation you can do with his cards. Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. And again, he's got confiscated lore, which is going to be even 
another model in in the wild with that ability that Sonya has. Um, but yeah, they're adding that uh, faction or crew specific uh, rule to the rule book about with the upgrades, um, just so that you can have the configuration set up to store the cards and manipulate from, um, and also giving. I guess it's allowing the conduit ability. If three or more cards in your configuration share a suit, this model may add that suit to its dual totals. So you can really manipulate what suits your crews are going to have. And I haven't looked through all the suits. I mean, there's a lot of new models here. Um, I'm digging what I see, but uh, I, I see a lot of injured. Which <laughs> injured is always good. Always good. And I even think his title has Arcane Reservoir, uh, which I don't know yeah. why they why he needs Arcane Reservoir. They have an upgrade for it. The thing I'm most excited about is Whizbang's getting a, a model with the Dabbler, so I don't know if it's going to be good, but you know it's another model to try and make Whizbang work. There you go. That's right. Yeah, the Dabbler is a uh, Whizbang model, huh? Um, I do like the story keyword that's going with the new title box for Damien. Yeah. Uh, with Lin Lai and um, the uh, the master. Or no, Lin Lai is the master. Uh, Mia. Murakami is the uh, enforcer that they share. Yeah, uh, but I'm digging the new storyteller uh, story and Red Library synergy in the in the in, in what I see so far between the two cards that they've that they've shown. Yeah, I definitely I think I'm more interested in the storyteller just because I think that idea is more entertaining to me than you know oh, I got my brain memories wiped by you know sonia or whoever and or lady i don't know who kidnapped or who wiped his memory i don't know if it's sonia or lady J. I think it was sonia maybe anyways and then the puzzle box helped me get my memory back so cool yeah that is cool oh by the way i guess there's two two new models with confiscated lore lin lee lie has it as well the oh, 10 thunders master yeah fun because 10 thunders need that oh they definitely do <laughs> <laughs> uh, I talk crap on 10 Thunders, but I don't play them enough to actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, lots of cool things coming down the pipe. I do think you're probably right because I don't see why they would just, you know, release certain keyword, new keywords for, you know, only a couple of actions. So probably within the next year and a half, we probably see this stuff get released more and more, um, which I know we just got a bunch of titles and that's a little overwhelming. But I do think a new keyword, I think if they're going to introduce a new keyword, they probably need to think about shuffling a keyword into Dead Man's Hand. I think eight masters to choose from is probably a better number than nine. So I might, if I was weird, I might think about, okay, who's seeing too much play and who's kind of a negative play experience? Let's go ahead and Dead Man's them. Do you have any suggestions, Pete? I mean, I could definitely, I could definitely give a few. I think that's a fun mini game. Is there anybody that sticks out in your head where it's like, man, I hate this master and I wouldn't mind if they died? Colette too. Besides Colette players, I think most people would be happy to see Colette go. Yeah. I love her story and, and her theme, but being able to interact with doves is stupid and broken and I hate it and I want it to die. You want to know what? You could put Zoraida in there. I think. A lot of people, if you killed Zoraida off, they'd be okay with it. Yeah, I could see that. But but a lot of people think she's probably the best Bayou Master in this gaining ground. So then it's like who you left with, Zip, I guess. Let's see, or anybody else standing out to me? 
I think Lynch could go away and I'd be happy. Lynch one can go away. He doesn't do much. Outcast, I think most people would vote Terra. <laughs> Just give her Terra's Tara. ass. Yeah. I think either Terra or I think also there's always hatred towards Levy, so Levy could also go away probably. But then you wouldn't be able to do the rider list, so I think that would make me sad. Right. I think for <laughs> meta health, I think they should get rid of Nexus. Yeah, what do you think about this kind of... So people are talking a little bit about McCabe, but in Europe, apparently there were some players that are running this next kids list with, uh, what is it, maxed out botanists, and apparently they they finished really well in a big tournament that happened a week or whatever ago. Yeah, I've uh, I've heard about it, and I actually played against it, and it's it's interestingly brutal. Uh, it was Nexus, one of many, the three, the two nests, Archivist. Uh, oh, nope, that's the wrong list. Um, yeah, I played a, a, a tournament game against it, and those little botanists are brutally fast uh, when they, when yeah, they get fast, loaded up. they're fast, they're hard to kill because all their stats go up, and they're only like six stones. Yeah, yeah, so they're, they've got those things running around. You've got 9 AP between the three masters, uh, leaders, or whatever they are, um, and then... You can make your totems insignificant, or be significant. Yeah, There's just so team. much AP to go around. It's it's there brutal. It yeah, and the botanists in general are just good because their stats go up. So, like, I've tried to dunk them with zip, but if, if there's a 13 in your opponent's hand, you're probably missing on the botanist, unless you have a stat 7 somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, yeah, everything's up, so they're, like, size 4, and... You know, they're like defense, what, seven and willpower six. And it's like, what is going on here? And they can heal themselves and they have stupid movement. It's just ridiculous. It really is. And I think they're movement six once they get keyed up too. Ugh, that does not sound so, fun. So I, I get that that's probably a good list, but I'm a proponent of just because it's a good list doesn't mean I need to run it. Uh, <laughs> that's not the kind of thing I'm attracted to, but I can definitely see how some people like running stuff that they can just get APs on. And APs are good in this gaining ground, so it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're going to leave it there, Nick. Uh, We'll keep this one kind of short. And anything else you want to plug or say before we get up on out of here? Just support your content creators, y'all. These guys do it. It's labor of love. They don't do it for the money. (laughs) Throw something back at them. They'll they'll, they'll love you forever. They might put you on your podcast. yeah, that's right. If you just, you know, and you, you can at least uh, talk somewhat coherently into the camera. We'll always throw people on. There you go. And we haven't done a keyword. Uh, well, no, I can't say that because we did Dead Man Walking. But, you know, I think people have a little bit of outcast talk now. If people want to come on and talk about other factions, uh, whether it's Guild, Neverborn, whatever. If you have a keyword you want to come by and talk, just let us know. And we can always uh, throw you on and talk about your favorite title or your favorite crew and get just... It's really just getting conversations out there. Uh, I think a lot of people too many times want to focus on what's the perfect content to throw out. And honestly, it's just getting some people together and talking about things, cool things that have happened in Malipo. So, But I think with that being said, make sure that you guys are flipping cards, flipping tables, and we will talk to you all next time. There you go.